This is a Hot Pie Original. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode four of the Inhumane podcast, a Hot Pie Media Original. Um, Thanks so much, everyone, for coming back and listening. And for those of you that are watching, I am very excited about today. Um, We have a very special guest to me. Her and I have talked endlessly about all different kinds of things, not just the work we do, but even spiritually. Um, And so she's just one of those gal pals that you just like want to have in your life all the time. Um, But her busy schedule and my busy schedule, we just can't hang out every single week. But that might change if I can get her on this podcast um, a lot more often than she's probably thinking I want. So um, it is with great pleasure that I introduce Courtney Jones um, of Austin. She is the founder and executive director of Change One. And Change One is a community-based organization that collaborates with local agencies and individu- individuals dedicated to foster care alumni success. And she's going to go in depth about that on this show today. Um, but in addition, because she has a very very long, um, important resume, uh, according to, to me is she is a motivational, uh, speaker and she recently or previously used to work for child protective services, CPS, which you've heard me discuss on how much that is a huge demographic for human trafficking as well. She is a member of the child welfare race equity collaborative advisory committee um, and the Texas court appointed special advocates or CASA's public policy and communications committee. Um, she's also a former board member of adoption knowledge affiliates and head start child incorporated and a former member of the Supreme court of Texas children's commission, foster care school discipline committee. Um, that's a, that's a mouthful. Uh, but it's so important to have individuals that come from that experience to have a voice in all of these policies that are being made on behalf of uh, children in foster care. Now, she re- previously served on the National Foster Care Youth and Alumni Policy Council and served as a field instructor with the University of Texas School of Social Work here in Austin, Texas. So Courtney's received a bachelor in social work from Texas A&M University Commerce and a master in social work from Texas University. Now, one of the things that's missing on this bio that is new for Courtney and um, it's so exciting to have her on this committee, but she actually was appointed um, by the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott. And I know I wrote it down, Courtney, but I'm probably going to butcher it. <laughs> so she was, oh, here we are. She was appointed by Governor Abbott um, to be on the DFPS uh, foster care, or DFPS council, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, so excited. Um, you're going to learn lots today because foster care of aged out youth, some people could say that they are like they're forgotten in a lot of ways. And that is a place that these individuals should not be in, um, whether because they didn't check a box or because of the age that they that they are. And Courtney and I are going to discuss in depth about it. So please um, welcome my friend Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
of course, any, any time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, she's going to be, you know, a regular. She just doesn't really know it yet. <laughs> um, but we'll have her on here. So, Courtney, you have such an extensive uh, background. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think I- I'd like to have you elaborate instead of me is mm-hmm. just um, maybe a couple of minutes explaining why you have such a strong background mm-hmm. um, and you know, whatever you'd like to share about your time mm-hmm. um, in care, just briefly so that people know the context of mm-hmm. where you're coming from, mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, anybody, anybody else and why your voice is so important. Yeah, well, thank you again so much for having me. Um, I'm very passionate about the foster care system because I am someone with lived experience. I was in the system for 10 years and um, I aged out of the foster care system at 18. And um, when I aged out, I aged out into homelessness. And, you know, the work that I do now, uh, the advocacy that I do um, is so that children don't have to go through the same things that I went through and um, the the same things that many of my peers have gone through. And so each and every day I'm trying to figure out a way in which I can make sure people are more aware about the needs of youth in foster care, why people enter foster care, what um, happens to them once they leave and how the community can play a role in that. Um, During my 10 years in foster care, um, I moved around a lot because foster care is temporary. It's not a permanent situation, but sometimes it ends up being permanent Four kids, and that's unfortunate because everyone deserves deserves a loving home, um, and you know, just a place of refuge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. That's I love. I mean, the words at least that stuck out to me for sure. And I've and I've heard Courtney's story, you know, uh, a few times. Um, yet it sounds like the first time each time mm-hmm. uh, because it, it it is so profound. And like mm-hmm. the words that stick out is we need to have awareness and Mm -hmm. that what foster care is not permanent. It's Mm -hmm. temporary. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is a huge misconception, right? Like we just actually uh, on our last episode talked about myths and misconceptions of human trafficking. And Mm -hmm. you and I've talked about the myths and misconceptions of foster care. Yep. And that's a huge reason why we can't prevent a lot of this because Mm -hmm. of our misconceptions. Right. And so that I think is such a huge one on where did this come from that we think foster care is per- there's permanency? Yeah, do you know what I mean. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any idea or um, I, to be honest, um, one thing that I um, have come to the conclusion of um, probably within the last year is that the um, entertainment industry, when you look mm-hmm. at movies, um, when you look at TV shows and there's someone that has issues, um, they always say, oh, they were in foster care. Oh, they were in a group home. And I feel like um, lots of people watch TV and mm-hmm. movies. And that is a message that we have to change because kids that um that enter the foster care system, they enter it at no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. Kids that enter foster care is because they've been abused, neglected, or exploited. And that is not their fault. And a lot of times what happens with kids in foster care is that 
they'll have trauma that it has existed because they entered the system and then they have trauma by being in the system. No one should be in a system. Mm. And so they go through their own adolescent development on top of trauma, uh, on top of neglect, on the top of exploitation or abuse. And so when they do age out, some, not all, foster youth end up in poor statistics. Mm-hmm. But we as a community, we have to be more invested in our, our youth because um, it'll help later on with making sure that they're successful and self-sufficient if we invest in them now. Yeah, that I think is is one of my favorite quotes that I've 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 heard Courtney say Um on numerous things when I um, stalker in a non-human trafficking way um, <laughs> is that we have to do, we, we need to invest more in our youth now, mm-hmm. right. Opposed to, opposed to later. Yeah. Um, because it's like a snowball, mm-hmm. right? Like these issues, like if you thought uh, this child had issues before, mm-hmm. let's just mm-hmm. say, right. For lack of better terms and to be just, super bold about it, Mm -hmm. they're just going to snowball. Yeah. Right. And as you mentioned that they already come into the system with trauma based Mm -hmm. if they were right, Mm -hmm. abused, neglected or exploited, Mm -hmm. then they're in the system and there's more trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't hear any way for them to navigate that. Right. Mm Because there aren't parents there. Um, even if they do go to a, you know, you know, a foster care home for, for a bit or what have you, and they have some foster parents, um, I don't know how equipped their training is, right. To handle, to handle that on an ongoing basis. So mm-hmm. we don't have a consistent adult in their life to help mm-hmm. them help guide them yeah. as they go through this process. And then adding adolescents and hormones on top of that, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> There's like yeah. that other big piece yeah. that's just natural way of life and growing. Mm-hmm. But who's helping these kids navigate? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the big missing piece. It is the big, big missing piece. Um, and I also think what contributes to the myths Um, regarding foster care is not only the entertainment industry, but also the fact that people go through things and then they express the things that they go through. And so I think about it as like telephone. You know, you tell one person, then that one person tells another person, then another person. And then by the time it gets to the the last person is diluted. Right. And it's, yeah, it's all jacked up. Yes. And so I think that that's another reason why it's important to spread awareness and to be factual about the things that are going on, because not everyone has a negative experience um, with the child protective service system. And um, there are some success stories out there for parents, for children. And so I think when we when we talk about myths and why people think that foster care may be permanent or they may not know as much about foster care is because we're not bringing enough awareness to the community. Mm-hmm. And so we have to start telling those positive stories of how CPS has helped or a success story of a kid that has come from the system mm-hmm. in order for those myths to change. Yeah, very good. Well, there's one sitting right here. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And even when I, you know, um, I said, hey, you know, Courtney, actually, I, I want her to be one of my first guests. And when I was explaining it, um, you know, here to our group, they're like, well, tell me a little bit, you know, about Courtney. And I said, she's the opposite 
of what is in your brain when you think of someone who has spent time in care. Yeah. Complete. She's beat all these statistics um, in itself, but can speak to mm-hmm. not because she had this um, just safe space this whole entire time mm-hmm. she was in care, because that is not the case mm-hmm. at all whatsoever that you experience mm-hmm. yet. Yes, you experienced homelessness, but you also got out of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and hopefully you'll share how that happened on one of these episodes, but um, where you are today and able to speak to it and all these committees that I listed mm-hmm. that you're on, you know, is people know that they want your voice based off your experience and mm-hmm. you are a true success story. You mm-hmm. don't even have to tell it. You know what I mean? Like you, you literally live it mm-hmm. on all the things that you've been doing so that nobody else experiences any of the things, like you said, mm-hmm. that you've experienced. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the best almost model, right? Yeah. It's yeah. The, we're, we're always trying to find a model, mm-hmm. especially we know in the foster care world, mm-hmm. we're always trying to find a model to follow yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and a plug and play. Yeah. And in reality, uh, you're living and breathing and it's, and it's right here. Yeah. Um, at least what you described, that's what mm-hmm. I see, you know, in you. Yeah. So thank you um, for that. I try, I try to be um, a testament to others and to let them know that there are dark days, but you can most definitely get out of those dark times. Um, And it's another alumni, foster care alumni, um, Dr. King. She told me, she said, Courtney, you're not getting these degrees for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not um, doing this work for yourself. You're doing it for your brothers and sisters in care. Wow. And so anytime I feel like stopping or anytime I feel like giving up or anytime I feel like, oh, I don't really need to do that. I have to think about what Dr. King said, that I am not doing this for myself but I'm Mm -hmm. doing it for them. And I think at the end of the day, not only am I trying to live an example that other young people can follow, I am also trying to help other people like child welfare professionals understand that like not every kid is going to be a bad statistic Mm. and that you have a, a part in that. Like Mm -hmm. you, like my case manager, um, when I was 18, I ran away. I was done with CPS mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't finished high school yet. I was one of those late arrivals to to school because of my birthday. And um, she could have closed my case. She mm-hmm. could have been done with me. Her supervisor even encouraged her to close my case and be done. But she didn't. She right. did not close my case. She did not turn her back on me. She believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was able to come back into foster care. She was able to find me a placement that I felt comfortable in. And I was able to finish out high school. Yeah. And, and you know, it was because of her, I was able to get my tuition fee waiver and go to college because I would have missed out on all of those benefits that right. I could have received from the state if she would have washed her hands and been done with me. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, how long... How long was she? Was she with you the whole time? Was she your only case manager? She was not my only case manager. Okay. No, she was, she was the last. She was my last case, case manager. manager. Okay. I've I've gone through many case managers in the system um, because it's a revolving door. Right. Um, and that's like another awareness piece is how can we um, retain good employees and yeah. how can we keep them in a child's life? Because transition is hard. It's yeah. hard for anybody. It's hard for adults. Yes. <laughs> 
So and um, just imagine like being at work and every six months you get a new supervisor and you have to acclimate to that new supervisor's rules and expectations Mm -hmm. and it's hard. Yeah. And that's what a kid in foster care has to go through is that mm-hmm. they go to a new foster home. They have to follow those rules, um, maybe change traditions, yeah. um, maybe, you know, it's being exposed to things that they're not used to being exposed to. Mm-hmm. And then they have a new case manager on top of that, then a new teacher on top of that. Yeah. Like transition is so hard for the average person. So just imagine yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. And kids, I mean. Um, you know, when I was, I was a teacher in the in the classroom, if you remember, in um, consistency, mm-hmm. <laughs> when there was no consistency, like for example, I remember um, when my my grandfather on my dad's side um, passed away, and and my grandfather grew up with us, like he lived with us for a good portion of my of my life. So we took quite a few days off. Um, obviously, when he passed away, not mm-hmm. just for services, but for more time. Mm-hmm. When I came back to my classroom. My kids <laughs> were all over the place. Yeah. Um, because lack of consistency. And that was just only for a few days. Yeah. So when this becomes your life, mm-hmm. it's we're it's so easy to label them as like like you were mentioning, right? The troubled child mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. um he has issues or mm-hmm. she has issues, mm-hmm. opposed to what's happening in the environment. Yeah. And it's the adults that control the environment. Correct. Yet Let's always blame the kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, unfortunate. Totally. But yeah. that's, that is what we do. And that's, like you said, I mean, really bursting those misconceptions and for us to take off the lens that mm-hmm. that we have because they are, the experiences do come from pop culture and media and news and all of these things. Like that's mm-hmm. our experience if mm-hmm. we've never been in it before, mm-hmm. right? And we're making judgment calls and changing policies and things like that based off of those. Yeah. So yeah, we're... In 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 my world and your world, which totally intersect, mm-hmm. we're constantly having to to bust those myths and yeah. to get down to the real problem and helping the adults mm-hmm. just look from a different lens. Yeah. All the time though. Yeah. Not once in a while, but mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Yeah. Children in foster care are just like any other child. They want to be loved. Mm-hmm. They want attention. They want to be nurtured. They want to feel important. They want their voice to be heard. Um, They're they're just like their peers. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you say it like that, right, it's so simple. And I really believe that life really is simple no matter the circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's people that make it difficult, Mm -hmm. right? Because we come in with our biases and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and, And it's hard for us to... Just make that switch, even mm-hmm. if it's tiny in the beginning, mm-hmm. to understand the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. the bigger picture is this is a child, mm-hmm. regardless if they're a preteen or a teen, mm-hmm. they're still under the age of 18, mm-hmm. right? And they need guidance. Yep. And they need that love and mm-hmm. that nourishment. They yearn for those things, no matter how tough they are. Mm-hmm. But actually, I always think the tougher ones are the ones that yearn for it more. Yes. Because they're doing some things to really get your attention. Yep. Um, yet. I'm like, that's the one that needs the biggest mm-hmm. hug or yep. praise or or what have you, right? Yeah. And I saw it all day long in my, um, you know, in my classroom when when districts sometimes would come down mm-hmm. and say, oh, my gosh, this person's scores have gone down. I'm like, well, yeah, they've gone down. He mm-hmm. keeps staring at the phone mm-hmm. because his mom is going to court today, mm-hmm. you know. And so he keeps staring at the phone and wondering if he's going to hear 
is my mom going to be back home or is she going to jail? Right. Mm -hmm. Like to him, that is more important. And I'm going to allow that because Mm -hmm. that's what he needs. Mm -hmm. Right. As well as um, on Fridays, you think most kids would be super excited because it's Friday. It's the weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, those who may be home alone for the weekend and not have as much food they're the ones going to be very worried on Friday and yep. their anxiety is up and they're like, oh my gosh, Miss mm-hmm. V, right? She's she's not going to be here. I'm not going to get all these snacks and yeah. there's no food in the cafeteria and all these things. So again, <laughs> yeah, right? It's those simple needs that put these kids into, um, into a state that looks like they have problems, mm-hmm. but in reality, we're just not meeting their needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? That yep. that simple. Yeah. Um man, this should have been like our closing. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm so glad at least that I think the audience is is getting a a bigger picture of of really who, you know, who you are yeah. and some of the things that you experience and why you have such a strong voice mm-hmm. in your bio, you know, you're you're in all these committees and you've been asked and <clears throat> I remember when I uh, I called you and I was telling you about the the podcast and you were telling me about this appointment that mm-hmm. Governor Abbott made mm-hmm. or, or appointed yeah. you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I, I try not to scream so I don't hurt people's <laughs> ears on the phone, you know, but I was like, yeah, Courtney, this is such a huge like, oh, my gosh, a, accomplishment mm-hmm. that you weren't even looking for. I was not. I was <laughs> not. When I got that call, I was like, who? I was like, what? Crank caller. This is a crank caller. <laughs> and then because I missed the call. And then when I called it back, it said the governor's office. And I was like, who's calling me from the governor's office? And I was just like, once I got the call and they said someone had recommended me, I was like, who recommended? I was. They were like, do you know her? I'm like, no. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't think even, I missed that part. I yeah, and I was like, "Wow!" Like it, it's mind blowing. I yeah. think that um, God blows my mind each and every day because, you know, someone being in the foster care system, going to twenty five different placements, to exiting into homelessness, and then being able to move to Austin and work for the state, that was mind blowing for me. And I thought that that that's what God had for me. And that was the end all be all. And so he keeps um, amazing me about the depth in which he wants me to reach his people. Mm. And so um, this is an honor to be on the DFPS um, Council. And for those that don't know what DFPS is, that is the Department of Family and Protective Services. And um, Adult Protective Services is under there. Child Protective Services is under there. It's like an umbrella. And so me sitting on this council will allow me to be able to challenge Mm -hmm. and hold people accountable to our children, youth and families. Yeah. Um, And that is that is so powerful. I never thought little on me. Right. (laughs) That I would have that opportunity and that someone would entrust in me Mm -hmm. to um, be a voice for the voiceless. And um, it is such an honor to be able to be in that role. Well, it couldn't have happened to really a, a, a better individual. Now, what I'd like you, if you don't mind, yeah. um, can you explain, so this this council, mm-hmm. <clears throat> how many are there? And um, if you go a little in depth of what is it that you do? Like I heard the word, you know, responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. So can you explain how many are on there and um, 
and really what is it that y'all, right, that y'all are do? What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. So there are people that are on the council and it, um, it, it's basically on different spectrums. Some people um, are from the health profession. Some people um, are from like social work professions. Mm-hmm. Some people um, have been very invested in adult behavioral health. Um, some people are invested in policy. So um, each person has been appointed to this council for various reasons. Gotcha. And so what we do on the council is um, ask tough questions, Okay. you know, about certain things that are going on in each one of the systems. And of course, the system that I'm very passionate about is child welfare. So I'm asking a lot of tough questions. You know, what are we doing to prepare our young people of color Mm. for the real world? Sure. Because of our landscape and everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm asking those tough questions, if they hadn't thought about it, haven't started putting stuff in motion, you know, those are the type of things that, you know, I am trying to address through the council is like, you know, what are we doing as far as prevention? You know, mm-hmm. um, the Family First Act just came out. You know, did Texas opt in? What is Texas plan for Family First? Yeah. You know, and that's a prevention effort. And so, you know, I focus on different topics that are currently happening. Okay. And trying to figure out where are we currently at? Where are the gaps? And where can we do better? Mm-hmm. And what can we continue to keep doing that um, that is working right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really about, you know, being informed so that we can um, support the commissioner and the direction that um, she's going with the agency, just being an expert. That's what Mm -hmm. my my role is, is to be an expert um, and to be a support. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I love the. <clears throat> the fact that you're, you know, you're saying you are there to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you know, to, to some, some people listening, they may think like, oh, well, I can, I can do that, ask questions. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're in the space that, that Courtney and I have, have been in, um, a lot of times asking questions is not very popular, actually. Yeah. Um, they've been doing things for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we already tried that. Yeah. Um, we've done that before and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, there's so much pushback mm-hmm. because, um, it, it, there is bureaucracy, right? Mm-hmm. It is a state agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all state agencies. It's not just DFPS, right? But, um, so asking those questions and having this kind of counsel, it sounds like everyone knows. Mm-hmm. You're going to get pushback, but it's more for the accountability and responsibility mm-hmm. part, because we know that if we fail one child, we're failing. Mm-hmm. Right. Granted, yes, of course, the success stories, we definitely want to hear them. But mm-hmm. one, we should not fail one child yeah. on any agency. Right. This mm-hmm. isn't just a DFPS. It's all across all the board. Agencies, right. Like yeah. one child. We are the responsible individuals mm-hmm. as the adults, yeah. right? And technically the community as well. And that's yeah. one of the things um, I think, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, uh, quite a few different times, but also to to the audience of, of Inhumane, I'm saying, you know, it's your job as the community. Mm-hmm. These are your kids. Because mm-hmm. if you, if we're under the impression that, well, this is not my problem. Mm-hmm. Those are from that side of town mm-hmm. or they, my kids will never interact with those individuals or mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. We know that is, you're, 
honestly delusional (laughs) because we're all part of the same community. We will either, um, even just from the economic standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. So if these individuals come out of care and we didn't do the prevention like you were talking Mm -hmm. about and we didn't invest Mm -hmm. then... We're going to pay for it later. Yeah, we're going to pay for it later because um, when we're not um, teaching young people about values and character Mm. and we're not helping them regulate their social emotional um, feelings and when we're not teaching them about how to cook or how to clean or, you know, just the basics in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they go into the real world and they don't know these things and they will potentially fall into negative outcomes. And then who pays for negative outcomes? Who pays for the prison system? Mm -hmm. Who pays for food stamps? Who pays for all of these things? Yeah. Our tax dollars. Mm -hmm. And so if we, you know, invest in prevention or invest in youth today, then we can have, you know, young adults that are, paying taxes themselves right. and contributing to society themselves. Totally. Um, and so, yes, mm-hmm. we can, we, we're going to be <laughs> involved one way or another on the front end or the back end. Correct. And that's, that's what I think in, when it comes to awareness, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> so one foster care, that's not a new word, right? Mm-hmm. People, that word's been around for a long, a long time. Mm-hmm. Abuse, neglect, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, people know those words. They know what it means. Whatever misconceptions they have, they still know exists. Yeah. So um, I'll circle over here to to human trafficking. <clears throat> yeah. We have a lot of individuals that believe that doesn't d- exist because mm-hmm. they don't know, right? And yeah. what they don't know is what they don't know. So, yeah. um, so when I'm talking to someone about it and they're mm-hmm. like, mm, well, I feel it's a choice. Mm. you know, of them to be trafficked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said this many times. I'm like, I know every little girl grows up and says, I, I want to be a prostitute. Mm. <clears throat> I want to be a stripper. Like we hear it all day long. Yeah. Not ever. Yeah. <laughs> Not ever. Never have you heard your girlfriend ever say that when y'all were playing together or what have you. Yeah. So when I bring this up and if an individual has that mindset and I'm not there to combat and completely change it. I Mm -hmm. know I could always go to the economical standpoint Mm -hmm. of things, Mm -hmm. right? And say, okay, so would you believe that you're going to have to pay for uh, recovery, Mm -hmm. right? And what that is worth, how many billions of dollars that is Mm -hmm. for individuals who are trafficked and then they stay addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, They stay, they they can't sustain themselves. Mm -hmm. So housing is no longer temporary. Mm -hmm. It is permanent because Mm -hmm. they are just not sustainable, right? We have not. So it's either the easiest, I think the best picture you say is either you pay for it on the front end or you pay for it on the back end. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of changes, you know, those individuals are like, okay, maybe this is a real thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes when you're talking to people, you have to talk to them at where they're at. Yeah. Right. And I, I can't expect you or I'm, I'm not going to just pull you because pulling you is going to take way more energy for me. Yeah. And you're probably not you're going to be reluctant mm-hmm. and um, fight me on it. Yeah. Opposed to just let me meet you where you're at. Yeah. Tell you about foster care, mm-hmm. where we're going with this, what the problems mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Um, and 
it's so that you can understand, yeah. right? So I love that part, mm-hmm. you know, that you're able to do and kind of simplify, yeah, simplify that. The one thing um, that I really admired by working in D.C., um, I had the pleasure before Senator Orrin Hatch left to be able to intern under him. And I realized that children are a nonpartisan issue, <laughs> Re- regardless of the left or yeah. the right. Yeah. Children are a nonpartisan issue. And so our community mm-hmm. needs to look at it that way as well. Totally. You know, yeah. our children are our future. And I know that people say it and it could be cliche, but it is not. Right. It is not. Mm-hmm. Our children, if basically they're going to be the ones that are going to be in the health profession or the, um, the IT profession or, you know, all of these different professions that we're going to need for society to operate. Right. And so if we're not investing in them now, then mm-hmm. how is our society going to look later? Yeah. How f- it could either be fractured, right, mm-hmm. or it can uh, prosper. Yeah. And this is where having those conversations when we're bringing up awareness is mm-hmm. I think the community is mm-hmm. just not aware of that, right? Yeah. Aware of how much they can partake mm-hmm. to create that future. Yeah. Um, instead, it's the, mm-hmm. it's the government's problem. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. it's our problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I know some people may think about, well, that's not my child or that's mm-hmm. not my problem, those type of things. But what they fail to realize is that there are 400,000 children in the foster care system in the United States. Mm-hmm. 400,000. And in the state of Texas, we have uh, over 123,000 kids in the foster care system. Yeah. So that means that it's close to us more than we think. Absolutely. We could be sitting in a doctor's office and don't know that that person is currently in foster care or have experienced the foster care system or adoption. Mm -hmm. You know, like we we just don't know because foster care is not written on people's head. (laughs) Adoption is not written on people's head. Mm -hmm. But the numbers and the data doesn't lie. Yeah, for sure. So it it hits our community more than we think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's the. I was I was joking on our last episode. Well, I was being facetious, actually. I was saying because of these past, uh, at least 2020 and now going into 2021, everyone has become like a political science major overnight, <laughs> right? Like yeah. we all, yeah. oh, now I understand this bill and now I'm reading these bills and now I'm reading <laughs> this data and so on and so forth, right? But that's what I keep saying is when it comes to human trafficking and foster care, that data does not lie. Mm-hmm. And- I know with under with human trafficking, it's very much underreported because mm-hmm. most people do not self-identify mm-hmm. as being a victim of trafficking, mm-hmm. right? And in the foster care system, um, I too think some of that data mm-hmm. is underreported, oh, especially yeah. when we go into like runaways and things mm-hmm. of that nature, right? Yeah. Which runaways are a huge target mm-hmm. for uh, traffickers or for predators across the, the board, yeah. right? And that data is not coming in. It is so far behind, mm-hmm. right? We don't even know where that is. Yeah. So um, before we get like really even further, because I just love where this conversation is going, of course. Yeah. Um, I actually would like you to, to share with our audience mm-hmm. um, is how many... Right. And actually, if you could pull up the first slide and that first slide has the stats that you uh, gave us, Courtney, mm-hmm. about the twenty nine thousand right mm-hmm. in foster care. Um, 
Can you just quickly explain the process of someone going into mm-hmm. care? And again, we know it's not all black and white, yeah. right? It looks different, but just overall in general? Yes. So again, like I said earlier, a kid will enter foster care because there's some type of abuse, neglect, or exploitation going on. Mm-hmm. Typically what happens is the individual can call in a report um, or they can go online and make a report. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the the two main ways that most people will try to, um, I guess, flag down the system to say, "Hey, this family is in need of help," or mm-hmm. "This is this is what's going on with the family." Then we have the um, intake department that will look at the severity of what. Um, has been brought to their attention. And then they'll have someone um, respond and to follow up within 24 to 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And from that response, um, depending on the situation, because every situation is different, Mm -hmm. there may or may not be an investigator assigned to the case. Um, But if there is an investigator assigned to the case, the investigator will look into whatever the allegations were and either rule it out or they will, you know, proceed with making sure that the safety and well-being of that child is um, looked at first and foremost. And so if um, a removal has to happen, what they will do is try and see if there is a family member that that child can go to. Mm -hmm. I know some of the misconceptions um, is that CPS is trying to take people's kids away. And there has been a lot of work um, where they are trying to do things differently. And so um, it is important for family members not to turn a blind eye. It's important for family members to open up their home if they can, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what CPS is going to do. They're going to try and see you know, keeping that child intact with their family. If that is not an option, then the child will come into foster care. And when the child comes into foster care, there may or may not be a foster home available. Mm-hmm. We have a shortage of foster parents. And so what happens is that a child may go into an emergency children's shelter. So just imagine being at home with your mom, your dad, and then being ripped from your family and not going to another family, but going to a shelter, mm-hmm. you know, and just imagine someone that's eight, five, six years old having to go through that, you know, and yeah. even a teenager having to go through that. But if there is a home available, they will go into a foster home. Um, if there is not a foster home or a shelter available, they have things called group homes. And so group homes is where several children mm-hmm. are living in um, a home. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be anywhere between two to six kids um, in a home. And, uh, you know, CPS has done a, a great job with trying to reduce the number of kids that are in group homes. Um, And for kids that it may not work out for them in a foster home, a shelter or a group home, and they may need um, extra support and services because of the trauma that has existed, they have residential treatment centers where Mm -hmm. kids can go. Um, So there are a lot of different um, avenues in which that kid could go into. But again, like I said earlier, it's supposed to be a temporary situation. And it's so that CPS can 
can provide supports and services to the family for whatever the removal was for. If it was mm-hmm. not like a threat or an endangerment to the <clears throat> child, CPS main goal is to provide that family with resources and um, making sure like if it was a housing situation or if it was food instability or if it was just, you know, lack of parenting skills, they are going to work with that parent. And that parent has a right to be able to work on those services to get their child back. Mm -hmm. And so there is a time frame in which they they give the parents um, to work on those things. And so the hope for everyone is reunification, that the child can reunify with um, their biological parents. And so if that does not happen and um, the parent was not able to be healthy enough to take their child back, then the next option is adoption. And so a lot of times people do not know adoption from foster care as an option. Mm -hmm. Most people know about private adoption, but they don't know about adoption from the foster care system. And so what happens to children is that they, because foster care is temporary, Mm -hmm. they move from group homes to shelters to foster homes. And um, then if they don't get connected to a caring adult for adoption, um, then they age out of the system. And when they age out of the system, that's where we have those negative statistics of incarceration, early pregnancy, those type of things. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really important um, that we um, bring more awareness to the needs of foster parents, bring more awareness to the needs of um, more people working, you know, in this community, you know, as in the shelters or in the group homes. Um, And I know working with children is not everyone forte, but, <laughs> you know, for those that do care about the children and feel like that they can yeah. um, provide something, they, they should. And, you know, um, foster care is not just about fostering and adopting. Like people can play a role by either becoming a CASA volunteer, and that's a court-appointed special mm-hmm. advocate, where they can go and learn about the court system and be able to advocate for that child and their permanency option. So permanency is basically, you know, where is this kid going to go with their life? You know, are they going to yeah. go back home? Are they going to, you know, be adopted? Are they going to, you know, be reunified with a sibling? You know, so that person is a, a mentor. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a person that really is looking at the best interests of the child and not anyone else but the child. So that's an, yeah. another thing that people can do is um, if they don't feel like they have the capacity to foster or adopt. Mm -hmm. And then also... People can um, become a respite care provider. And so a respite care provider is just like a babysitter, you know, someone to fill in, to give that foster parent a break. Like if they, you know, need to take care of things or go on vacation or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, It's a respite care provider um, is something that's very short term um, Mm -hmm. on a um on an as-need basis, Um, not a like a big commitment, but Mm -hmm. I can most definitely say that my respite care provider, she came into our house every Tuesday and Thursday and I connected with her so much to the point that I begged my CPS case manager to allow (laughs) me to start like going to spend the weekends with her and her family. And they were literally, um, 
they were a breath of fresh air for me. Sure. They provided me some normalcy and um, they were, you know, still my family after CPS. And she just played a little role on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And I just connected to her and I'm happy that she connected to me mm-hmm. and allowed me to be a part of her family's life. Yeah. Well, see, and I love that you, you know, and that that's one of the things with any of these, right, social issues is, mm-hmm. yes, they're complex because it has to deal with people mm-hmm. and we are complex creatures. We mm-hmm. just are. Right. And so we want to put everyone in a box and do this one size fits all. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't fit that way, mm-hmm. we can't easily define it. And mm-hmm. if we can't easily define it, then there's all these reasons of why we can't help because mm-hmm. we're like, this problem is just so huge and I just don't have the capacity mm-hmm. or the know-how or mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in this area, right? All of these reasons, which mm-hmm. are totally justified. Yeah. But I think with the awareness that we're trying to bring is like that term, right? How do you eat an elephant? One slice at a time, right? (laughs) One slice at a time. Mm -hmm. So with these issues, it's literally one slice at a time. Mm -hmm. And I love the, you know, the respite because it's like you said, there's a set schedule Mm -hmm. or it's once in a, once in a while, not on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but less than that. Yeah. But it's something. Yeah. And you're, and that little something actually can mean the absolute world yeah. to a child in care, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, and so I love that you you gave that example because that is like something, like I said, it's, it's it could be a small role yeah. for you yeah. as an adult that you can handle and put into your life. Mm-hmm. But for that kid, that could be the biggest thing yeah. ever when they, when they see you, right? Yeah. And they're talking about you years later and saying yes. that person was so great, right? Yes. Because they don't have a lot of great, people in their life because they already have their walls up, yep. right? So for someone to able to break through mm-hmm. and they're able to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and connect like that, yep. that's that's what these, you know, these kids need. Yeah. When um, I, um, when I would run away, mm-hmm. she would be the first person I call. Yeah. I wouldn't call anyone else but her. And I'm like, this is what happened. And, and she was like, Courtney, you got to go back. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, but. Um, she was listening. She was there to listen. She was there right? to listen, not to judge me, mm-hmm. not to tell me what to do. Um, she was there as a support and helped me to like really like think through mm-hmm. the situation. And there was a level of trust that was yeah. built. That's the and key. I, and yeah, trust is the key. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't know you, you don't know me and no rapport or trust is built, then yeah. I don't know how I'm going to be able to listen to what you have to say. You know, right. I may listen, but it doesn't mean I'm probably going to do what you say. Yeah. But that was my mentality when I was younger and in sure. a child. Yeah. Um, well, but, and see, in foster care, right, um, there is no recidivism. Because you have no choice but to go back because you, right, are under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Unlike in human trafficking, the recidivism, um, you know, it takes a, a victim of human trafficking seven times mm-hmm. to get out of the life. Mm-hmm. And everyone, or not everyone, majority of people stare mm-hmm. at me and they're like, why? Mm-hmm. Well, because there's no trust, right? Just mm-hmm. because we're telling someone that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. How many of us have really a girlfriend where you know you're like, man, I have told her to stop dating that person yes. or person that is just like the last person, yeah. yet yeah. she keeps doing it, right? Yeah. We all, and that's an adult. So we have all know somebody yeah. Yeah. that keeps doing something that's not good for them, right? Yeah. Um, regardless if we're saying, well, that's a boyfriend and this is someone being trafficked, right? Mm-hmm. There is a 
there is trust. Mm -hmm. There is the lack of vulnerability Mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a variety of of reasons. But the thing is with foster care, kids in care, Mm -hmm. you have no choice but to go back. Yeah. Unless they're a runaway and you can't find them, right? There's a huge difference. And I want to really touch on that point of human trafficking and foster youth and how it kind of correlates. Um, You know, when... A child runs away from foster care and they are um, approached, Mm. you know, by a pimp or because what they do is they know that this child is a child. Right. They know that they've come from a broken home, a broken system and that they've left for a reason. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, kids, they're tired of being told what to do, when to do and how to do it. And this person is like, you don't have to do anything. They make it seem like that, Mm -hmm. that you don't have to do anything. Everything that you do is a choice. Mm -hmm. And they make you feel comfortable and they give you all of these things that you never really had before. And then you're hooked Mm -hmm. in at that point. Um, And what happens is, oh, if CPS finds me again, I come back in. And then what they do is they recruit other girls from the group homes and the shelters and say, hey, you know, I ran away and I met this guy or I met this girl and like, it, it, this is everything, like yeah. everything to me. Like I, I, can, I can go to bed when I yeah. want to, I can, choices. you know, choices. <laughs> yeah. That's what they look at it as, but mm-hmm. they're not understanding that they're being groomed. Totally. Right. They're not understanding that the things <clears throat> that they think is a choice mm-hmm. is not a choice. Yeah. It's manipulation. Mm -hmm. And just to think adults that are being manipulated, like it's it's real. So just think about kids that have not um, developmentally grown to its full capacity being manipulated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it it, kind of creates this chain effect of more and more kids going into possible human trafficking. And like you said, the sad, the sad thing to me is that when a kid from foster care runs away, who's looking for them? Right. Mm-hmm. Who's looking for them? Mm-hmm. Who's advocating for them? When a kid runs away from a parent, that parent is calling the police. They're calling their friends and families to do searching. They're getting posters out. They're doing all of these things. And I'm not saying that Child Protective Services is not doing that. They are. Mm -hmm. They're doing it. But there is a capacity in which they can do that. Right. Yeah. And so there is someone looking for them. Yeah. It's, It's the trafficker. Right. That is they're, true. They're the only individuals majority of the time that are looking for that runaway from foster care mm-hmm. because that is the ideal mm-hmm. how much money they can make um, because it is a adolescent or preteen or a teenager. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way up until past the year of 18, turning mm-hmm. 18. So mm-hmm. that individual is going to make them a lot of money. Yeah. And they know they know mm-hmm. no one is making posters. No one is, like you said, calling all these fam- mm-hmm. family and friends. Nobody is posting on Facebook mm-hmm. and trying to make it go viral yeah. um, because of lack of capacity because yeah. they're in care. So yeah. um, nobody's doing that. Yeah. So this is like easy, the easiest money that they can, they can make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the one person that's looking for them. Sadly. Yeah. 
And, you know, I know that legislation has been put in where, you know, the department is, um, you know, making reports of missing kids. Mm -hmm. And I know that they have investigators that are trying to look for kids that are missing. And I know that they're trying to work with Nick Mick. But um, again, looking at the number of kids that are in the system. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. For and sure. looking at the number of people that are employed yeah. to tackle this, mm-hmm. it's not enough. No. Well, see, and that's, you know, the the <clears throat> the famous or the phrase that you hear a lot, right, in, in trafficking is, right, hi- hiding in plain sight, right? They're hiding right here. They're right in front of you. You just passed them when you went to go grab your soda at the convenience store mm-hmm. and they were there with their trafficker, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're passing them all the time. That, mm-hmm. And we'll just talk about sex, not even labor mm-hmm. at the moment, um, because most of these kids from CARE, most of them are sexually exploited opposed to labor and, and, and a combination, right? So something you know that you shared is about the the numbers do not match mm-hmm. at all whatsoever yeah. so we have an enormous amount of kids in care mm-hmm. and then the workers um social workers or, or whatever their title is and it just it's completely unbalanced yeah and that's one of the things that we're sharing with our audience here at the inhumane podcast is these these victims of human trafficking are across the realm kids that are homeless, LGBTQ, um, kids in care, right? Like we could go on and on and show all of the intersections. However, the reason why we need more people to eradicate human trafficking in whatever capacity, which is equivalent really Mm -hmm. to kids in care, is because we are all outnumbered right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are more predators, more traffickers than there are individuals who have the awareness. Mm-hmm. Just just for starters, mm-hmm. right? Because we're unaware of the global slave trade that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. We're unaware of the foster care problem. We're just unaware. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's the first vital step. But it's mainly because I think if I think if the community understood on how outnumbered we are mm-hmm. and not just automatically point and, and blame and say, oh, my gosh, this was y'all's job. Yes, it's true. But we also <clears throat> need the community out there looking. Yeah. And, you, you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get degrees in social work. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know in this space, social workers have a lot of say and a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we don't play nice with others. Right. Mm-hmm. As we know, there's a lot of silos. Right. In mm-hmm. these groups. And so. <clears throat> at least back in the day, I know I had a lot of doors slammed in my face because it was very much of like, oh, well, you can't t- talk to a victim of human trafficking. You can't do this. You're not a social worker, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just started to build my own table, mm-hmm. right? And invite yep. my own people. Yeah. Um, because to me, you can't turn away people when we're outnumbered, yep. right? Just, I mean, just that sheer fact alone. Yeah. Now, of course, we need to get people trained. We need people, you know, trauma informed. Mm-hmm. We need people, um, you know, to make sure that we're doing checks and these people are not sexual predators themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And be accountable that way. 100%. We need to do all that. But my point is you can't tell me because you're a construction worker. I'm not going to invite you to the table. No, you're out there. I need <laughs> you at the table yes. because you're a trucker. 
Mm-hmm. You're not invited to the table because nope. you have no experience. No, I need you at the table. Yeah. Right. It's, it's you're so the important. eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the eyes and the ears. You're it's almost like you're in the trenches as well, just because you may not be um, a caseworker, just for the mm-hmm. example of foster mm-hmm. care, just because you're not a caseworker doesn't mean I don't you're not in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You're out there seeing and reporting things that I'm unable mm-hmm. right to see yeah. as a as a caseworker. So. Yeah. I say all that because we're so outnumbered mm-hmm. and this is where the community n- needs to understand mm-hmm. uh, we're going to continue to be outnumbered yeah. and we're going to continue to be making policies from way back here mm-hmm. and making change from way back here mm-hmm. until finally at least getting almost neck and neck with them. Yeah. Right. And taking our kids back mm-hmm. um, because that's what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And there's more and more and more of them. And I do believe a lot of individuals um, it's because they really just don't know. I mm-hmm. think there are more good than there are bad mm-hmm. individuals. Yeah. Um, we're just in our own bubble yeah (laughs) we take care of our own Mm -hmm. and going back to the misconception well these aren't my kids right so we take care of our own and not realizing that our own are going to be affected by Mm -hmm. all of these issues right and we're handing them we can either hand them like a key to the kingdom Mm -hmm. or we can hand them a key to a dumpster or Mm -hmm. you know this this crazy fractured community yeah and i know for me I, I'd rather the, the first. I want to mm-hmm. give them keys to the kingdom, right? And they can make it even better opposed to giving them something that's so jacked up when I knew I could have done something about it, right? Okay, so Courtney, we're going to just shift right back to this first slide that you gave us. And mm-hmm. the numbers show that there's 29,927 children in foster care as of 2019, because, right, 2020 is going to mm-hmm. come out soon. Yep. Now... You also have that there's 3,378 waiting for adoptive families. So Mm -hmm. what's happening with the rest of that that number? Because that's a huge number. It's a very, very small piece. Mm -hmm. So what's happening with the rest of those kids that are not on the waiting list, I guess, for adoptive families? Mm -hmm. So for those that are um, not on the adoption list, those are the ones that, you know, Child Protective Services is trying to reunify them with their family, um, trying to find, you know, other family members that can take them in um, or those are the other thing is those are the ones that are lingering in the system. Mm. So they're all um, basically not being adopted for these variety of reasons, trying to reunite um, or trying to find family or they've already maybe parents already have given up their rights and but they're not going to be adopted and they're more likely going to age out. Correct. Could we say that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, big number, especially regarding to, to the difference. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where we're saying is, okay. So just for the audience purpose. So basically the remaining of this from the three, th- 29,000, right. And remove 3,000, 3,300, because they're going to be adopted. Mm -hmm. The rest of those children are, if they age out of the system, they're more likely going to be uh, trafficked. So there's about, I believe the stat right now is uh, 60% Mm -hmm. of trafficking victims are are children. And out of that 60, um, I believe it's, I believe it's 50, 50 that are actually, um, going to be trafficked from 
the foster care uh, system. And so mm-hmm. we'll double check on those um, stats and then put them up for y'all for sure. Mm-hmm. But I want to make that clear yeah. is that's why we need your that's why we need help. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why we need awareness. Um, but then to meet you where you are. And what's going on in your life? Where is it that you can help? Because we just showed you how they intersect, mm-hmm. right? So if we don't solve this foster care problem, mm-hmm. these kids are more likely going to be trafficked. So I'll tell you what will happen because you we have the statistics. So they're either going to be homeless. They're going to go to prison. They're going to, um, um, you mentioned like pregnant under the age of, of 21, 21 mm-hmm. right? Um, what else am I missing? Um, health disparities. <clears throat> okay. Explain mm-hmm. that one a little bit. So they will have um, health disparities. Um, Most individuals that have parents, they can be on their parents insurance until the age of 26. And so for those that are transitioning out of foster care, if they're eligible, they could get Medicaid. Mm-hmm. But for those that are not eligible, um, they're not going to get Medicaid. And so there are some health disparities and um and learning how to navigate the health system, learning how to, <laughs> you <favorite>. know, <laughs> learning how to, you know, continue medication that maybe you were getting while you were in care or yeah. maybe dealing with some type of mental health disorder or, you know, maybe dealing with past trauma and trying to, you know, stay stable and yeah. not necessarily a mental health disorder, but just, you know, depression or anxiety. Um, and we all know that um, that all plays into um, our overall health. Mm-hmm. And we, for those that may not know, there's an overrepresentation of children of color in foster care. It's not because um, their parents abuse or neglect them any more um, than any other race. That just means that, you know, there is some type of um, biases and judgments and, and things that um, need to be addressed and have been the, the system has been working on addressing them. But when we think about the number of children in color in foster care and we think about health disparities of people of color, then we it's like a triple mm-hmm. thing with them yeah. when they're exiting the system, mm-hmm. you know, because of the fact that one they don't have a caring adult to help them navigate the real world nor their health. Mm-hmm. and keeping up with that. And so we had to kind of think about those things when I talk about health disparities, um, right. just the things that already come with being a person of color. Yeah. Well, and and really all the things, right, that we just mentioned that the, the statistics show of what, when kids age out of foster care, mm-hmm. um, what majority of them will experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if not one, maybe two or three or four mm-hmm. or five, right? Um, is that, they can't do it, like you said, alone. Mm-hmm. And we need more guidance for them. And really, all of these are basic needs. Mm-hmm. These are all basic needs. And when you don't have basic needs, mm-hmm. that's how they fall into the hands of these predators. Yep. Survival. Um, yeah, it goes into survival. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I've been in part of tons of conversations where, you know, people say, oh, but I still wouldn't do A, B, C, and D. I still wouldn't do this Mm -hmm. or I still didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One, if they've never experienced it, it's really obviously hard to to Mm -hmm. say that Mm because we believe that a lot of these individuals have um, a choice. Like it always Mm -hmm. comes down to choice. Yes, could they say no? But 
what I think most people don't understand is they don't realize mm-hmm. that they're being trafficked, period. Mm-hmm. They just don't realize that. So yeah. um, we may say that we would do A, B, C, and D, mm-hmm. but in reality, we just don't know that someone is actually manipulating us mm-hmm. um, so that we can't have food because mm-hmm. we're hungry. Yeah. So that we can't have shelter because we have no place mm-hmm. um, to go um, because all, all of these things, right, <clears throat> on and on and on, and even healthcare. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm sick. Well, I could pay for that mm-hmm. medical bill. Yeah. And we think this is a nine kind, nice, kind person, mm-hmm. which maybe I haven't received that my whole yeah. time in care. And lo and behold, they want something for that. Yeah. There will be an exchange mm-hmm. and it's not going to be an exchange mm-hmm. that someone wants to freely give up. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're really then treated no longer like a, like a human. Yeah. And you now become property or yeah. and or commodity, period. Yeah. And so we just don't realize that when we mm-hmm. come out of care um, or we're still in care right, yeah. and run away for a bit or what mm-hmm. have you. We just don't we just mm-hmm. don't realize it. And to kind of bring it back to the community and how it, it kind of could relate to the community is that. I, earlier, I said children enter the foster care system because of abuse or neglect mm-hmm. or exploitation. Well, a form of abuse is sexual abuse. Right. And not every person that has been sexually abused enters the foster care system. Mm-hmm. So there are people in our community that have been through that, right. that have not been able to heal from that. Mm-hmm. And even those that were removed and put in foster care, they're still processing that. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like if a person was supposed to love me and take care of me, but they also violated me, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And as an adolescent, you know, people go through like hormones and they go through, you know, puberty and they go through all of these things and they're trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And one thing I kind of think about when people say, oh, well, you have a choice in the matter. Well, anyone that has been violated, um, there is going to be um, a lot of self-doubt. There's going to be maybe some some, um, self-confidence issues. There's probably going to be some self-esteem issues. They're going to be some internal struggles that go on. Mm -hmm. And I think as a woman in general or even a man, like there are always going to be internal struggles. Right. Um, but I think for those that are as vulnerable as youth in the foster care system, they're like times 10, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, okay, I was molested and I'm in foster care. Now I'm confused about what does love really mean? And then I have this person telling me that they love me and they're asking me to do this and, you know, okay, yeah. well, that's another message, a mixed message of what love really means. And so it's like it continues this. Right. And so when we think about human trafficking, when we think about how a person could just say no, mm-hmm. it's like it, it's grooming. It's already been groomed. And like we all do things out of um, desperation or not feeling confident or lack of confidence or whatever the For case sure. may be. And um, I'm going to share something personal. And um, I think it's important to speak your truth. Um, And I never really spoke my truth about this because I felt like I would be judged. But again, um, I live life on my own terms. I walk to the beat of my own drum. (laughs) And I know that God is using me to um, 
to help someone else. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so what I know from my situation of going through the foster care system and then going into the real world is I had no one explaining to me self-worth. I had no one explaining to me how to love myself. Mm -hmm. And so I took whatever was given to me. And I had a mixed message yeah. about what love was. Mm-hmm. And I, I found love in all the wrong places. <clears throat> um, and I had to go through tough times as a young adult. And I remember this woman telling me how beautiful I was. And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, being young, being like 18, 19 years old. Um, and she was just so nice to me. And me being naive and silly, Um, she introduced me to her friend and, you know, we were just talking and walking around the store and then, um, we exchanged numbers and they were like, oh, we should hang out. And I'm like, yeah. And as I continued to, you know, hang out with them throughout the day, um, little did I know Mm -hmm. I was being groomed and in the back of my mind, when I was approached about selling my body, I didn't think anything was wrong with it at the time. Okay. And <clears throat> the reason why I didn't think anything was wrong because she was like, you already have sex already. Hmm. And I already knew in my mind, me Sharing myself with someone was not getting me the result of that what I thought I was going to get, you know, love, a relationship, these type of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was like, might as well make money for it. Normalizing it. She normalized it. And I was like, yeah, I am already (coughs) having sex with people. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, why not make money? And it's not like I was making a lot of money as it is to survive. So it made sense. I was like, okay, all right. And then I got some common sense. <laughs> I got some common sense. <laughs> Thank you. Kicked in the high gear. Yes, I got some common sense. And the only reason why I got some common sense is because I ran into trouble right when I got out of foster care. Um, I ended up incarcerated, just like the statistics. I'm no different than any other child that emancipates out of the foster care system. It's just I was given a second chance in life and I took that second chance Mm -hmm. and I ran and I did nothing um, to get in trouble anymore after that. So when I was approached Mm -hmm. about, you know, selling my body, she told me, she said, yeah, if you get caught and get in jail, he'll get us out. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going back to jail. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, never will I do that. Never. That's not the life that I want to live. And that's when I changed the trajectory of my life. Right. But I was one thought away from not, you know, Mm -hmm. not changing my life and going down a path that I thought was okay. Yeah. But it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's because I didn't know my self-worth. I didn't know what self-love is. I didn't have someone telling me growing up, you were beautiful um, and telling me in a way that wasn't infringing upon, yeah. you know, boundaries, mm-hmm. because even being in shelters, you know, I was I was um, 
approached by people in shelters. And I didn't think anything was wrong with it because, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm getting special treatment. Oh, I'm getting more of a snack or, mm-hmm. oh, I get to stay up longer. Not knowing that this is a grown man and right. he has no business with a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I understand it now. Right. And I understand how wrong that was. But so when the community talks about how can a person say yes or how can a person turn away can't turn away from it it's like you're in it before you even know it sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah and I I love how simple you made it I was a thought away Mm -hmm. like that's how quick that's how simple Mm -hmm. um that these individuals make it Mm -hmm. um and I and I always compare it really to like you know in in the U.S. right in the 80s there was such a huge gang problem, mm-hmm. right? And a big focus was on gangs and on drugs, mm-hmm. right? It was a big social issue in, in the U.S. And the conversation was like, why are these gangs getting so big? Mm-hmm. Well, guess who 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 did they prey upon? Yeah. They preyed upon kids in the foster care system, kids who their parents were never home, right? Because what did these kids need? They wanted that connection. We'll be your family. They wanted that yeah. family, right? Yep. And the praise they weren't getting at home, they were getting there. Mm-hmm. This became their family. They literally would die mm-hmm. for these gangs, mm-hmm. right? Like die for them, put their life on the line. No problem, no qualm about it. The loyalty was huge. Yeah. So I make that connection so much to human trafficking because you see it. Mm-hmm. You see literally it, the parallels, mm-hmm. right? Like it is so much aligned with that because yeah. like you just dated, here's a girl super nice to me. Mm-hmm. Someone hasn't been nice to me in forever. Mm-hmm. And to receive nothing and right, get nothing in return at mm-hmm. the moment, mm-hmm. praising me. We're just having a good time. We're being yeah. us, yeah. you know, nothing about it. And then she's doing me a solid. She's giving me like, hey, here's some things that you can do to yeah. have a better life. Yeah. Because right now you're hungry. You have no place to live. Um, so on and so go on and on and on, right? Yeah. The long list. Yeah. So here I'm here to help you. And yeah. I don't need anything in return because mm-hmm. it's really not me. You're going to give it to him and he'll protect us. Mm-hmm. He's going to protect us. Yeah. And you are literally a thought away. I was a thought away. Yeah. And yeah. it's only because, like you said, you just experienced being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. We are like, oh, no. Oh, I didn't know that was part of the deal. Yeah. That's part of the deal. Uh, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> I'm not going back, right? Yeah. And so there was that switch for you because it's something you just experienced. And obviously, mm-hmm. like, because um, I know you're a, a believer. You're like, mm-hmm. God had a hand on me mm-hmm. and I had that second chance and I'm mm-hmm. just going to bolt. Yes. So you're like, oh, thanks so much. But for others. Mm-mm. They don't learn their lesson sometimes. <laughs> right. I learned my lesson. <laughs> it take it takes a lot longer for some of us, right, yeah. to, to yeah. learn things. But unfortunately, when they're the, they can be trapped mm-hmm. and not get out of that, and then that is their life. Because what mm-hmm. what starts to happen when because she normalized uh, she normalized sex, right? Yeah, and that happens so often, as well as part of the community. Mm-hmm. Our community is like, well, they chose to have sex. And what I tried to explain last time is things may look like a business partnership. Mm -hmm. So there's a transaction. Mm -hmm. I give you this, you give me that. Mm -hmm. But once that partnership 
or one side of the partnership starts to infringe mm-hmm. on the freedom and mm-hmm. choices of the other, mm-hmm. it's no longer a partnership, mm-hmm. right? So there's mm-hmm. no longer a business transaction. If you want to look at it that black and white, mm-hmm. right? So I no longer have a choice if you're forcing me or coercing me, mm-hmm. which um, and fraud being fraudulent, right? And manipulation mm-hmm. is a part of those three. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. It's not necessarily the physical, it is totally the psychological. It is. And it is. kids in care, all the trauma already mm-hmm. that they've been through, psychologically, they want someone that is going to give them that safety and that praise. Mm-hmm. And initially that's what it looks like they're getting mm-hmm. until they're there. And then mm-hmm. there's no way out. Yeah. And then the shame kicks in, yeah. right? And the guilt kicks in mm-hmm. and then they never really leave because of that shame and guilt. Yeah. And then where are they going to go? Who are they going to turn to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you aged out and you have no caring adult, mm-hmm. where are you, what, where are you going to go? Yeah. And a lot of these shelters, right? Very, mm-hmm. again, very similar it's short term. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. You gave me a bed to sleep in for 72 hours or two weeks or three weeks or a month. But now where do I go? Mm-hmm. It goes back to the the same question. Mm-hmm. Those needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. Right. So the recidivism phew, just skyrockets and yeah. we can't break that barrier. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, my gosh, I, 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 I wish we could break that barrier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, um. I'm sure some of you noticed uh, Courtney and I, or we changed cups. So obviously we <laughs> took a, a quick little break. Um, her and I are going to talk about so many other things. And um, and there's going to be many parts to this because foster care, uh, kids, and, kids in care are a huge demographic for um, these traffickers. And we they're put into the system. It's our job to take care of them while they're in the system as well as when they get out and we're outnumbered. So we're not doing a great job because we're outnumbered. We're doing, we're doing good things and um, doing the best that they can from all realms, right? From all realms. Um, But we know we're outnumbered. And Mm -hmm. if you're outnumbered, um, we're always going to be just behind. Yeah. Okay. So her and I are going to talk uh, again. Like I said, she she is coming back multiple times. <laughs> um, but what I'd like to transition into is a hurt organization, <laughs> Change One. Yes. And, you know, why I wanted, again, you to be one of our first guests is because not only the, the great work that you've been doing with Change One, um, but if you weren't there, if change one was not there for some of these um, kids who have aged out, mm-hmm. the worst crimes would be happening to these individuals. Mm-hmm. They would be homeless. They would be hungry. They All these things, which, again, is a direct correlation to mm-hmm. being trafficked. Yeah. And we cannot have these individuals be enslaved mm-hmm. at all whatsoever. It is 2021. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm like, how did we not get our stuff together? <laughs> right. Abe yeah. Lincoln signed that such a long time ago. And we're still having to deal with slavery today. Mm-hmm. Right. It just looks different. And unfortunately, it's they're amongst us. That's, I think, the huge difference on why we can't identify it um, compared to before. Right. Right now, like you said, I'm there. 
there's nothing on my forehead. There's not a sign I'm wearing that says I'm a kid in care and now this person's trafficking me or I'm, you know, a victim of human trafficking. We don't have any of those signs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say all that. So if you can explain what change one is, yeah. um, you know, how it got started and really what are the great things that you're that you're doing there? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, well, You know, Change One exists to help children that are transitioning out of foster care. Um, There is support on prevention, not enough. And there is support um, with children that are currently going through the foster care system. But there is not a lot of support for those that are transitioning into adulthood. And because I had personal experience with not having my basic needs and not um, having a... um, a caring adult um, in my life to be able to help in those areas, um, I did develop Change One. And let me back up and say that um, I did have several caring adults Mm -hmm. because of the fact that um, I was resilient and I knew that closed mouths do not get fed. And so I was not um, scared of asking for help. Um, from past family members or friends or acquaintances, Mm -hmm. but not every young person is like me. Mm -hmm. Not every young person is going to be bold enough to say, I'm hungry. Right. Not every young person is going to be bold enough to say, I haven't taken a bath in three days and I need to take a bath, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because of the shame and the embarrassment. And so um, I wanted to clarify that that is, yes, a caring adult was not identified before I emancipated out, but I did have a community to surround me because I fought for that community. I mm. sought out that community. Um, but not not every kid has that opportunity. And that's why I created Change One so that we could be there to support them. But I can't do that on my own without the support of the community. And so um, a couple things that we do at Change One is um, most of people know us by our Thanksgiving celebration. Um, Because there is an overrepresentation of children of color in foster care and there is a shortage of foster parents, um, most children end up in homes that do not look like them. Mm -hmm. And so during the holiday time, then sometimes they're not able to practice some of the same traditions that they're used to. And most people, we're all big about traditions, you know, and a lot of people support Christmas. But no one really thinks about Thanksgiving and how it's so hard for that child to think about what to be thankful for, especially if they're separated from their siblings or their parents. Um, It could be a very hard time for them. So I wanted kids to know that if you don't have a seat at anyone's table, you have a seat at Change One's table and that you're always welcome. And so we make sure that the things that they're traditionally used to eating, the things that they're traditionally used to doing, that we incorporate that every year. We have youth that are in care and also youth that have um, emancipated out of the foster care system come to the event. So youth in care can understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. through alumni that are at the event. Um, And We have done it for seven years now, and um, it's because of the community pouring into our agency. It's how we can show love and love on those young kids. And so Change One is about 
helping where there's gaps. Mm. Yeah. And so um, we saw that gap. And so we, we've we met that gap and we will continue to keep meeting that gap. Um, we also do a foster care awareness event in the month of May because that's Foster Care Awareness Month. And we're really big on educating our community about why the kids enter care, you know, what happens to them while they're in care and ultimately what happens later. And we always do a call to action every May. Um, and so we're really big on educating. And then the other thing that we're really big on is advocacy. Mm-hmm. We want to mobilize our young people and we want their voices to count and we want them to know that they can be a part of change. And so we help young people to understand, you know, what is policy, what is legislation, um, and how can your personal lived experience impact policy and legislation so that it can be a better system for other people um, that are going to come after you or mm-hmm. your, your current peers. And so we're all about leadership and development. And uh, we need the community support to to continue to help develop young people and their character and their leadership skills and their advocacy skills. Um, and and it's just been a blessing to see young people grow yeah. um, and to invest in young people. And so I ask that people invest in Change One so we can invest in young people so that we can continue to keep doing this good work and mm-hmm. fighting the good fight. Um, and we are getting ready to start our college prep program as well. Um, a lot of times when kids go off to college, they have, you know, their parents, you know, helping them set up their dorm room and kids in foster care don't have that. Sometimes they don't even have the belongings to even put in a dorm room. Um, and you know, during Christmas break and spring break, the dorms are closed. So many of them are trying to figure out, well, where am I going to stay? And so, you know, change one is there to help them try to figure out, you know, what am I going to do when Mm -hmm. times get tough? And um, we've had young people that have participated in our advocacy work and our Thanksgiving events. And they come to us and say, hey, Courtney, I'm hungry and, and, and I don't even know how to grocery shop. And that's what we do. We take them grocery shopping. We teach them how to read labels. We teach them how to make meals stretch. Um you know, we're there and we're we're just a call away. Yeah. We're a call away. But the only way that we can be a call away is if the community pours into us. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times these young people, they don't meet eligibility requirements to receive governmental assistance or to receive um, assistance through Child Protective Services because they've reached a certain age. So right. we, we try to, again, fill in the gap and to help young people that are not eligible for um, already existing services. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And yeah. I think the the part that I'd love to piggyback off of is, you know, with all of these uh, government entities, there's always going to be cracks. Mm Because like we said, completely outnumbered, right? Mm -hmm. The capacity is, is, it's just high to keep it simple, right? Um, And sometimes it is um, absolutely like, it comes to a point where it's almost out of your hands Mm -hmm. because it's just, you you can't keep up with it, right? And so, you know, change one 
filling those gaps, Mm -hmm. as you put it, is so essential because now we are supporting um, that child, that alumni, as you put it. Mm -hmm. Um, We are preventing them from experiencing any of these things, right? By providing their basic needs. Yeah, going back to the basic needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had one individual... in conversation before they're like, oh, but foster kids, they, they get to go to school for free. They should just do that. Like, I know they should. (laughs) However, right. Yeah. If anybody has raised or they've gone to university themselves or or raised an individual in that season, Mm -hmm. there's so much work to be done. Yeah. There's so much paperwork. Yeah. They're missing things. You can have a two parent household Mm -hmm. and yet still not get all of your stuff together Mm -hmm. to prepare your kid to go to school. Right. Whether it's paid for or not paid for. Yeah. Um, We know reading so many. I mean, people even hate going to the DMV because they say it's so complicated and difficult and so on and so forth. So the expectation is for this um, now young adult who (laughs) hasn't been able to do any of these Mm -hmm. things or have any guidance to just Mm -hmm. make it all on their own. Right. And, and that's just, I think it's a absurd ask and an absurd expectation. And so you all filling those gaps, like I said, it's essential with all the prevention that can, um, that obviously will take place. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the, the things of, me asking Courtney to really talk about change one is, you know, a lot of the local and smaller nonprofits don't get the attention that they mm-hmm. deserve, mm-hmm. right? They just don't. Yeah. Um, it's the it's the big ones because yeah. the big ones can afford a lot yeah. more things, right? Yeah. And not saying that they don't have worth or that they don't still need things. Mm-hmm. However, why don't we keep it local? Right. Why don't we keep it local? And for those of you that aren't from um, Austin, Texas, however, even if you're you're not, um, there has been a big push over the past like decade or so. It's like keep it local. That's why we have right small business Saturday. And so let's Mm -hmm. like keep it local. Buy Mm -hmm. on Etsy. So do all. So it's the same concept. Yeah. But from the for-profit, you're moving it over to the nonprofit with these social issues, right? And it's like, oh, look at all the great work and look at how much more we could do if more of the community um, poured in. Because that's that's one of the things when I talk about human trafficking, I'm like, okay, if your heart is for the homeless or if your heart Mm -hmm. and purpose is for kids in care Mm -hmm. or for all of these other areas, let me show you the correlation because you're doing so much more Mm -hmm. than you actually know. And if you're trained in human trafficking, then the children or the young adults Mm -hmm. you touch, you can actually prevent them from being prey, right? Like plain and simple. So- yeah, and just to kind of hit hit on that with, you know, um, supporting the local and supporting like the small nonprofits, um, it's, it's so important because I started Change One in 2013 and I didn't get my 501c3 until 2017. Mm-hmm. So from 13 to 17, it was really the community supporting me and it was, you know, um, me paying out of my own pocket to make this happen. And when I say change one, what I'm meaning is me. Mm -hmm. And I, (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, you know, I am trying to, you know, continuously find, you know, operational funds so that I can expand because I am only one person. Right. And so I want to be able to hire other foster care alumni to do these trainings and to, you know, help um, with the different programming that, you know, Change One is offering. And I'm so thankful to my volunteers and I will always welcome volunteers. Um, but we got to expand our program beyond me. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> um, right. And so it is so important um, to pour into local small nonprofits, especially those with people with lived experience, because we're just trying to pave the way and we're trying to make a difference um, in a true, authentic and transparent way. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's that's a. You know, I say it all the time and especially, I mean, like in, in May when it's foster care awareness, you know, January is uh, right. National Human Trafficking Awareness mm -hmm. Month. And I tell people you're going to be flooded. You're going to see human trafficking all over the place. Mm -hmm. But you got to find the ones that are transparent and authentic. Mm -hmm. Ask those questions. If they're not willing to tell you, mm -hmm. then move on to another nonprofit mm -hmm. that will that is willing to do so. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that is their that is their first job, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, to make sure that they are doing that so that you can ask questions and know that the care that they're receiving mm -hmm. is what you're signing up for. Yeah. As well as if your values yeah. align with that nonprofit. Yeah. Because we know sometimes things happen in regards to care mm -hmm. that my values just do not align with. Yeah. Right? So I mm -hmm. can't support it fully, mm -hmm. but I can find another one yeah. that is. Um, and then there's always the ones that are shady and they yeah. don't, um, mm -hmm. we know they don't use funds appropriately, <laughs> yeah. period, right? So for and, sure, ask the questions yeah. and let people be, or be transparent and yeah. authentic. And I love that to you, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a big piece. It's a big piece. And I think that also what's different about Change One and other nonprofits is that we're not a nine to five. Hmm. If a young person calls us at 10 o'clock at night and says, yeah. we're hungry, we're not going to say go to the food pantry mm -hmm. when they open up at nine o'clock. We're going to figure out how to get you some food that night. Yeah. And then we're going to figure out how to create a plan, a sustainable plan where you can continue to have the nourishment in your body. Mm -hmm. I had a young man. He called and said, you know, my dorm hadn't been paid for. It's Thanksgiving. They're closing the dorm at three o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself and my belongings. Mm -hmm. We figured out a way how to get him to a safe space yeah. with his belongings, mm -hmm. you know, and most of the time institutions, it's the holidays, you know, people are gone doing yeah. their own thing. People are taking vacations mm -hmm. and change one. We're only a call away is what, what I always say. We're a call away. Mm -hmm. I had another young man. He was, um, at a Shell gas station, just standing there, not knowing where to go. He had been on the streets for a day before he called me. And we found a place for him to go. And we paid for a ticket for him to, you know, drive to, to get a ride all the way from Houston to Dallas. And it was mm -hmm. nine o'clock at night. Most nonprofits, they're open between nine and five. And I tried to call several nonprofits yeah. in the Houston area to help him. And they got back to me on Monday morning. We're only a call away. We're trying we're trying to help people when they're in need. People, do you hear that? 
Do you hear the distinction? And I say that with a smile because it really just warms, I mean, my heart to know that they know there is somewhere to go. And those are only the ones that know of Change One, right? And what Mm -hmm. Courtney is doing. Mm -hmm. There are thousands that don't know Mm -hmm. and that aren't in the local area, Mm -hmm. right, to say the least. So she is doing something at Change One that, Obviously, we know is a need, Mm -hmm. but it's also out of the norm because Mm -hmm. that actually um, I think that's the first I I know that you're a call away and I know that people have called you out at all hours because see some of my clients are Mm -hmm. like in England and, uh, you know, like Abu Dhabi. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I have to be up really late and Courtney's still up. And I'm just like, how is she still up? She's got two children, school age. Like, what what is she doing? Well, I know what she's doing. Mm -hmm. It's these kinds of calls. But I don't think you ever, um, like I said, just made that connection that most are open nine to five Mm -hmm. factual. Mm -hmm. And you all, doesn't matter what time they call, Mm -hmm. you are going to get them. You're going to meet the needs that they have because- if you're listening, people, that's what these are. They're yeah. needs. They're yeah. not asking for something that is a luxury or a want. Mm-mm. They're just asking Clothes, for a need. Food, yeah. shelter, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what they need, right. especially during COVID. Like, especially during this time, they need it more than ever. Those kids that have been in college and now dorms are closed, they're needing somewhere to stay. Those that are in college, yes, their tuition is paid for. But I had one young man, he was working off of his cell phone during the semester. Mm -hmm. He needed a laptop. Mm -hmm. You know, these just basic needs. Right, right. And we're one call away. And I tell people, you know, um, our slogan is change one mind, change one life, help change a forgotten child's life. It is Mm. so important not to forget them. Yeah. Well, one of the things, um, or at least on every episode, we always have a call to action. Mm -hmm. And our call to actions are... um, small because they're doable Mm -hmm. and it's consistent Mm -hmm. and it helps people say, okay, I can help and I can do that. Mm -hmm. Now, when Courtney and I um, talked last time, I was like, Hey, what is one of the, you know, the call to action? Um, And she, she just has so many in the (laughs) sense of like she mentioned, right. She needs the community to, to really like pour in. Right. Um, Because she can't do, she can't keep doing it on her, on her own. Um, And we should have more foster care youth come in and, and partake in this because they are setting that, that pathway, right. For the others who are coming behind them. And so we talked about all these other things that she is doing, like on the prevention side and the training and curricula and all these things that are total worthy of call to action. OK, but because of covid and I'm sure some of you know that a lot of these um, these young people that are in these social having these social issues, right? These are a social problem, mm-hmm. a community problem. Covid is just kicking but like mm-hmm. it, everything's closed. They can't get things they normally can. Um, you're talking about services to even get on the phone with anybody. Mm-hmm. If anybody answers is like through the roof, yeah. right? Like they cannot get the services that they normally could. Um, can't qualify for unemployment, can't qualify for all these things. So 
your call to action for this episode Mm -hmm. is to get some of these basic needs met for these kids, um, you know, that are experiencing troubles in in COVID. Again, basic needs. She just gave you that example. Mm -hmm. So we have a place and we're going to do this February 6th, right? We said Mm -hmm. it's going to be Saturday, February 6th. And she's going to give you a list and we're going to have it posted for sure of what these needs um, or what needs, right? Um, and we're going to list them. We're going to ask you to drop them off down in South Austin for those of you that are here local. Anybody who is, um, you know, throughout the state and wants to send something as well, mm-hmm. please contact us. Um, we'll tell you where to where to send it because we know we have people that have uh, huge hearts all over the state of Texas, all over the nation. And who knows? Um it's something that you could actually possibly talk to Courtney about where you could duplicate it in, in your own area in another state. Right. Because she knows there's a need and she's got this down. (laughs) She just needs more help. Right. And so I think that this is our first step as a, as a community is to really show these kids and to prevent them from being trafficked. We're going to meet their basic needs. It's, I feel it's the community's job. It's not even the government's job to meet their needs. It's the community's job to meet those needs, to guide them so that then they are able one day to sustain themselves. Yes. And and what it sounds like, all the kids that you're working with, I mean, they they just want to be able to sustain themselves. Yeah. They don't even want people to constantly give. Like, right, eventually yeah. they, they want to be able to have a job. They want to yeah. be able to buy things on their own and things yeah. like that. So it's not like they're just... Yeah, it's not like they're like wanting to live off the system. They're wanting to reach self-sufficiency, but they just need a little guidance. They need a a little support um, and and just someone to show that they care. And I can most definitely say I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for people investing in me. I remember one time I was in college and I didn't have no food. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my old case managers, she drove all the way from Dallas. Dallas, all the way to Arlington to pick some food up for me and drove it all the way to Commerce, Texas. Really? Just so that I can have some food. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm in my 30s now and I will always forever remember her for doing that for me. That one simple thing. Mm -hmm. That one simple thing, like we said, maybe small for the community, but so big, a huge impact for the kids in care. Yes. So could you tell us in about like 30 seconds, what are some of those needs Mm -hmm. that you're and again, we're going to list them. So you're going to see them, but I just want you to hear from Courtney. And like she said, transparent and authentic, or is it authentic and transparent? Um, Transparent and authentic. Transparent and authentic. Um, So she'll tell you where these are going. She, um, we, her and I kind of talked about this before. Mm -hmm. So Courtney will tell you like, hey, this is what it what you gave. This is how it helped. Right. And things of that nature. So what are some of those things that. You say these kids, uh, I keep calling them kids and I'm so sorry, um, This these young people need. Mm-hmm. So the young people are needing um, clothes. 
Um, it's cold right now. Um, mm-hmm. They're needing jackets. Um, they're also needing interview clothes. They're just clothes are just so important and so vital. Um, they're needing food. Um, sometimes canned goods are great, but sometimes they're going to need protein in their life. So they're going to need um, vegetables in their life. And so we're going to need support in that area of being able to get them nutritious food from the grocery store. Um, they are also in need of, you know, supporting them with their housing, their rent, their car payments, those different type of things um, right now. They're needing help for those that are not able to um, maintain on their own. Um, So those are just a couple of things that um, they're needing. I would also say toiletries, you know, um, basic hygiene products. Um, they're in need. Um, and the young people that I'm working with, they would be so great. It, they would be so thankful for it. And many of them are young adults and they're just now trying to start out on their own. So some of them are needing like a couch or even a bed or a box spring. Um, these are things that um, will set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you sharing that, Courtney, because I think you know, sometimes when people are hearing the list, they're like, okay, food, okay, clothes, I could do that. But I know so many people that are on Marketplace, like all day, every day, Facebook Marketplace, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you can find things that are so um, inexpensive. And I don't know if if used things are okay. I know some nonprofits are not and they mm-hmm. prefer all like tagged brand new things. Mm-hmm. So if you could just clarify that for everybody so that yeah. we just know. Yeah, well, due to COVID, um, I think it would be best that we refrain from um, getting used things. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And so um, so these are some of the things that she needs, right? And when she is talking or when you're talking about like rent or car payment or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're able to show these individuals that it did go to rent. It yes. did go to mm-hmm. the car payment. Yes. And so you'll be able to facilitate that in that kind of conversation. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. We'll have success stories posted on our website um, for the donations that come in. Um, we will um, also be able to provide, um, you know, text um information for those that um want to make you know donations um and need that um tax information because we are 501c3 um but yes um we will show a report of um what has happened with your donations and how it's impacting um the children and and young adults that go through our program awesome thank you for that because I, I really think that that is so important when people we're here at the Inhumane podcast, we are literally showing you organizations that we've worked with in some capacity um, and that there is trust and, you know, vetting. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we know we are becoming smarter consumers and want to know where our money is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have nonprofits or people that are telling us, mm-hmm. hey, this is where it's going. And I can prove that yeah. to be the case. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important while we're building trust from both from both sides, because we want this to be an ongoing thing. We know that people are charitable, even in these hard times. Mm-hmm. We know that people are still willing to give, even if they're getting unemployment, they're still willing to give something from yeah. that unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, I know individuals like that, like it, it may seem like that's off base, but um, 
couldn't. It's so true. Um, so again, this is going to be February 6th. Um, we'll post the, the time. Um, and it's at Christian Life Austin Church. It's off of uh, Westgate and um, across from the Central Market right there. So it's, it's South Austin. We're going to give a lot of information. Again, if you're listening throughout the state, you want to give. Um, you can also just contact Change One yep. as well. Uh, DM um, inhumane podcast. We could also help filter that over to, to Courtney. Um, but all is accepted. Um, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. these kids couldn't be these youth, these, uh, young mm-hmm. adults couldn't be any more thankful. Yes. Um, yes. and so go ahead. And if you want to learn more about change one, you can go to www.changeonethenumberone.org, um, and check us out. Yeah. And we'll have her stuff up as well for those of you that are um, audio listeners. Um, we'll have Courtney stuff up for change one. And again, this is not the last time you're going to hear from Courtney. We haven't even scratched the surface. So you will be back. Yes. Correct. I'll right. Yes. She'll be back. And we'll tell you all the other great things um, that change one is doing in, in specifics. Because, again, this is a huge prevention mm-hmm. for human trafficking. Okay, we are literally going to be able to take care of both things that are major impacting our community severely. Like this is a disease that can be there is a cure for it. Um, And with our kids in care, we have to start paying attention to them um, first and foremost, because they are the largest demographic that are preyed upon for these traffickers. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you again, Courtney, for coming on. Um, anytime, any, that chair is practical. Let's just go ahead and put your name on that, (laughs) on that chair. And then when someone else comes, we'll just give them another chair. Um, so this is Courtney's chair. Um, she definitely will be back and we want to thank you all again for tuning in again. It is January national human trafficking awareness month. So wear your blue pop on those X's for the end it movement, because we are all abolitionists ready to eradicate human trafficking. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other hot pie media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the hot pie media, YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.